0: Thank you, Marlene. Whenever I hear that prayer, Lord, break our hearts for what break yours, I always wince a little bit because I think, wow, that's a big prayer. That's asking a, that's kind of a dangerous prayer. Well, this morning we continue in our sermon series that we've called Ripening, where we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And today I want to tell you two stories, and I want to leave you with three truths about faithfulness. Our focus this morning is on faithfulness, and we've titled this sermon, No Matter What, so for the first story, I want you to look at this uh, image that we have and see if any of you dog people can tell me what breed of dog this is. It's not a very common one. I'm not a dog person, but I don't think it's a real common one. Someone know what this is? I, I hear husky. Sheba. Shiba Inu. I thought it sounded like you said cheetah, but yeah, Sheba Inu. Gotcha. And somebody over here said Akita. That's right. It's an Akita Inu, it's a Japanese breed of dog, it's a beautiful animal, um, and apparently in Japan these, these animals are trained in much the way that we're familiar with German shepherds being trained in the U.S. They're trained for, uh, to work with police, they're trained for guard work, they're bred to be hunters, and they're intensely loyal, intensely loyal dogs. This I think this breed became particularly well known almost hundred years ago because of a story that took place in Japan. There was a Akita Inu dog there who was the companion. His name was Hach- Hachiko. He was the companion of a German or a Japanese. Why would he be German in Jap- Japan? Yeah. <laughs> Japanese college professor who taught agricultural engineering, and every day this professor would get on the train, he he lived in the suburbs of Tokyo, would get on the train and ride into the university, and uh, Hachiko would accompany him to the train station, would go with him in the morning, and then the professor would get on the train, go into the city, and when he came back in the evening, Hachiko was there waiting for him and would accompany him home. I'm not sure exactly how the dog knew what time the man's train was coming, but my guess is he probably just went in the afternoon and waited till the guy showed up. But anyway, um, so this is just a, a daily rhythm, uh, and Hachiko was, was a puppy in their household, grew up with this man's family. But one day, this professor had a fatal heart attack at work, at his workplace. So he didn't come home on the train that night. So Hachiko waited for him and he didn't come home. He went back the next day, the next afternoon and waited for him and he didn't come home. He went back the next day and waited for him and the professor still didn't come home. Hachiko returned to that station day after day after day after day for 9 years until he passed away. He was 12 years old, the dog was 12 years old when he died and he waited 9 of those years for his master to return home. Just an incredible, incredible portrait of loyalty and faithfulness. Over time, the people, the commuters and the shopkeepers realized that this dog was, you know, there every day. They eventually started feeding him, looking out for him. And after he passed away, they put up a statue to honor the memory of this dog. And it's, it's there today. We have a image, a picture of it. You can, if, I don't know if you can tell, but the forelegs are pretty shiny I'm guessing that there's a lot of people who rub his legs or stand there and hold them while they take a picture uh, to be photographed with this famous dog. This isn't the original statue. It was remade after World War II, but it stands there today at this subway station in, uh, in Shibuya uh, in the suburb where Hachiko is honored for his faithfulness and his loyalty to his owner. The other story I want to tell you comes from the Bible, and it may be one that you're not as familiar with, the story about the prophet Hosea. Hosea is one of the short books among the minor prophets in the later part of the Old Testament. Hosea lived and and, uh, his story is told, he prophesied in the time of the divided kingdom, but not all that long after King Solomon lived. So early in the divided kingdom, Hosea lived out a, a parable in his life. You may have heard of this story because God asked Hosea as his prophet to live out a parable of God's own journey of faithfulness and unfaithfulness with his people. God asked Hosea to use his own life as a symbol for that. God had faithfully loved and provided for his people over the centuries, but they were not faithful to him. They were also worshiping other gods just in case, just in case God didn't come through for them or God didn't do the things that they really hoped he would. They were worshiping other gods as well. And so what God did is he came to Hosea and he said, I want you to live out a parable where you will represent me, God, and your wife will represent the unfaithfulness of of my people. I think there must be a special place in heaven for Hosea because he did what God asked him to do. It says in Hosea 1, it says, uh, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Someone who evidently was known for this, have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So it says he picked Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son, and then a daughter, and then another son. So they lived together as a married couple, even though he knew that she had a reputation for promiscuity, for unfaithfulness. One of the things that the Lord said to his people and indirectly as well to Gomer, this, this wife of Hosea, is that you will chase after other lovers, but you will never be satisfied. You will chase after other lovers, but you will never be satisfied. That stood out to me this week as I read that as, as the lie, the primary lie about sexual sin that few people admit to. I mean, sex out of marriage in our time is, is actually sort of celebrated and expected and glorified. And most of the television shows, most of the movies that we watch, that's just sort of the default. And it is exciting at first. Sex outside of marriage is a boundary crossing. It's it's kind of breaking the, the rules or the bounds. And it is exciting at first. But unfaithfulness never satisfies the longings of our hearts. It never satisfies. We, as as the Lord says here in Hosea, you chase after other lovers, but you're never satisfied. It also seems to it creates all kinds of trouble that can ripple on for years and years. And God says the same thing is true spiritually. When we're unfaithful to him when we're when we turn from him we can unleash all kinds of trouble in our lives and in the world around us. In chapter 4 the Lord says through Hosea he says there is no faithfulness there is no love there's no acknowledgment of God in the land. So this is the unfaithfulness problem, and now here are some of the implications, some of the things that happen as a result. There's only cursing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery. They break all bounds. They cross all boundaries, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. This kind of stuff ripples, as I said, ripples across generations, and has, it just ripples out in many directions. I think about, as I read this, I think about the breaking of all four relationships that we've talked about, the relationship that we have with God The relationship we have with ourselves, having peace with ourselves, the relationship we have with other people, the relationship with all creation, all four of them are are indicated here that as we turn away from God in unfaithful ways, we break all four of those relationships. God in this story with Hosea says, I'm going to bring judgment to my people to get their attention so they'll turn their hearts back to me. And there's also a, a lovely promise in this book that I will, God says, I will draw your hearts back to me. There will be a time when we are betrothed to one another again as lovers, as faithful lovers. In chapter 2, he says, I will remove the names of the Baals, the false gods, from their lips. No longer will their their names, the false gods' names, be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant with them, for them, with… And interestingly, he points here not just to the peace of our hearts, but to the beasts of the fields, the birds in the sky, the creatures that move along the ground. There's a way that faithfulness has, impact, has an impact on all of, all of the world around us. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that they may lie down in safety. And then he says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. But because God is faithful... The parable that he's, he's acting out in Hosea's life needs to reflect that as well. So eventually God says to Hosea, show your love to your wife again. What happened is that she bore him, these three children, she evidently went off to be with other men, and now the Lord says in chapter 3, go and show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites." though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. These are ceremonial offerings to the false gods. So he's saying, even though they they turn to other gods and they love to worship other gods, love them. I, I love them, and I want you to show your wife this same kind of love. So Hosea goes on to say, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. These are small amounts of silver and barley, And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way to you. Scholars aren't agreed on whether or not this um, silver and barley were given to Gomer herself or were given to someone else to kind of purchase her back from whatever situation she was in or to pay off a debt. It's not really clear. But in any case, what he's saying to his wife is, let's start over. Let's start over. I'm repaying a bride price for, for her or to her and, so that everything will be new from this moment on. So instead of dumping her and completely turning away from her, Hosea looks for her. He finds her, and he draws her back into a faithful marriage. So he blesses her with his faithfulness the way that God has blessed and is blessing his people with God's faithfulness. This is, a kind of, this is an incredible story in the book of Hosea. But it leads us to the first thing, the first truth that I want to highlight for you today about faithfulness, and that is very simply that God is always faithful even when we are not. God is always faithful even when we are not. God is faithful no matter what. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, and whether we turn away or not, how, no matter how we respond to God, God is faithful Always faithful, even when we are not. You might think, yeah, okay, that's great, but what does that mean? What does it mean to say that God is faithful? I want to just point out at least three things, and you may think of some others, but at least three things that are true, that that we're saying when we say that God is faithful. The first is that God is always present, God is always present. He's always involved. He's always active in loving and redemptive ways. Last Sunday, one of the songs that we sang was a song that's title is Amazed, Amazed. And in the chorus that we sang, we sang, I'm amazed by you, I'm amazed by you, I'm amazed how you love me. But one of the verses of that song stood out to me because I kind of, it wasn't a typical verse. It said, the first verse says, you dance over me, while I am unaware. You sing all around, but I never hear the sound. What does that mean? Why did we sing that verse? You dance over me while I'm unaware. You sing all around, but I never hear the sound. That doesn't sound like typical worship lyrics, does it? I think it means this point. I think it's, it's exactly this point that God is always present even when we're not aware of his presence. God is always at work in loving and redemptive ways even when we, we're just totally missing it. When we have no idea that's what God is doing and we're, when our, our ability to be aware of it is, is somehow that's not, not turned on right then. We're not aware. So we can sing and we can say, thank you God that you dance over me while I'm unaware. You sing all around me even when I don't hear the sound. God is faithful in his presence. A second thing it means is is that God keeps his promises. When we say God is faithful, we mean God is always present. We mean God always keeps his promises. God always does what he says he will do. He may not always do it exactly when I want him to, when you want him to, or in the way that we have in mind, but God will always keep His promises. You can count on God's Word. That's the second thing that we mean when we say God is faithful. In the book of Deuteronomy, this is the way Moses puts this to the people of Israel. He says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. Demographers usually think of a generation as about 20 years Every 20 years, we say we have a new generation of people. Multiply that by 1,000, and you get a long, long time. You get a long, long time. God keeps His promises. The third thing I think it means, at least, is that God's character doesn't change. In this verse, it says, know that the Lord your God is God. There's an unchanging reality to who God is. So not only is He always present, not only does He always keep His promises, but you can count on His character there is an unchangeability about God that you can count on no matter what. Later in the book of Deuteronomy, the way Moses puts this to the people of Israel is he says, Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, the, a symbol of unchanging reality. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. That's, again, what we mean when we say that God is faithful. (laughs) You know, though, I think that sometimes we say that a little too glibly. We say God is faithful and haven't really thought too hard about what we mean. I think sometimes, just like a few weeks ago, Nikki pointed out, Nikki has pointed out that we sometimes confuse the goodness of our circumstances with the goodness of God. And we, when we get into rougher circumstances or circumstances we don't like, we start to question the goodness of God because our circumstances aren't good. I think the same thing can happen to us with faithfulness. If we're in a situation that we didn't choose and we don't really like, we start to say, well, what about the faith? Is God really faithful in the way that we thought? I have sometimes heard people say <laughs> things like, I was almost in an accident yesterday, but God was Faithful and I didn't get hit. Or, I feared a bad medical test result, but God was faithful because I got a good one. I kind of wince when I hear people say that because I I don't think people mean this, but to be logically consistent, you'd have to then say, I was in an accident yesterday, so God is unfaithful. God was unfaithful in that moment. Or, I got a bad test result, so God is was, not, did, was unfaithful. I don't think that's what people mean, but that's the logical implication of that whenever we say that. Um, like I said, I think we often confuse God's faithfulness with the favorability of our circumstances. I think it would be more faithful to the biblical picture to say something like, no matter what happens, we can count on God. No matter what happens, God is faithful to be present with us to be always present and always at work in redemptive ways, to keep his promises. In different places, God makes, uh, covers our bases on bad circumstances, because in some cases, God promises to deliver us from them. He provides us with a way out. In other cases, he provides us with a way through. God promises to either provide you with a way out of or through difficult circumstances, one of the things we're, we're thankful for, and many of you have stories of times that God has given you deliverance. God has miraculously intervened and in taken you out of circumstances that were painful and difficult for you. But most of us also have stories of where God has given us the grace to walk through difficult circumstances because of his faithfulness to be with us, to keep his promises, to provide for us, and to be true to his character no matter what's going on, to be true to his character, to be loving, faithful, gracious, kind, forgiving. The second truth that I want to highlight for you this morning, the first one is um, God is always faithful, even when we are not. The second, because we are ambassadors of a faithful God, God works in us to reflect his faithfulness. God works in us so that we can reflect His faithfulness. He develops or ripens faithfulness within us. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the results of the Holy Spirit's work within us. We receive His faithfulness, and then we reflect it in our daily lives. Just like kindness, a few weeks ago I said kindness is an action. It's hard to be kind if you never do anything. I think the same thing is true of faithfulness. It's hard to be a faithful person if you never do anything. It's hard to be completely faithful, completely in your mind or in your intentions. Faithfulness is something we see you live out, see each other live out. I kind of like Bruce Howell's definition of faithfulness. he says, faithfulness is always being there, always doing what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it. Or you might say, always being there, um, always doing what you said you would do, when you said you would do it. Simple definition of faithfulness, I think, is very helpful. <clears throat> and reflective of who God is, right? We said one of the things that God's faithfulness means is that he's always there. Well, that's one of the ways that we can be faithful. Keeping our word, keeping his, God keeps his promises, we can keep our word. Those are ways we reflect God's faithfulness. One of the things I would add for us that isn't really on God's list, but that is to be faithful to God faithful to the truth, faithful to the gospel. We can be faithful or unfaithful to the truth of who God is. And one of the central themes of the Bible from the beginning to the end is the calling on the people of God to hold on to the truth of God no matter what, to hold on to a commitment and a surrender to God no matter what. In In the book of 3 John at the end of the New Testament, John writes to his friend Gaius and he says it gives me great joy when it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth <coughs> telling me how you continue to walk in it I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth here it's, he's talking about being faithful to the truth or faithful to the truth of the gospel the truth of God, who God is This is really an important cornerstone for us as followers of Jesus because faithfulness to God makes it a whole lot easier for us to be faithful to other people. If I'm faithful to God, if I'm continuing to be fully surrendered to God, it's a whole lot easier for me to be faithful to you and with each other. Someone who is faithfully trusting God, holding on to the truth of how faithful God is, is far more likely to always be there, to always do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. We know, of course, we know what that looks like when it doesn't happen, when that doesn't happen, right? When we fail to be faithful to each other, we know what that looks like. We've all had that experience or we've all been the one who was unfaithful in in big or small ways. Small-scale unfaithfulness is just failing to show up when you said you would or failing to be there for somebody who really was hoping you would show up, or or someone who really needed you in a particular moment, just failing to do that is a kind of small-scale unfaithfulness. Not showing up for an event, or not showing up for a meeting, or not following through on something that you said you would do. Yes, I promise that I'll take care of that for you, and then I don't do it. Or I'll I'll get to that, but I never do it. (laughs) Generally, what you'll find when you do that is that the people around you will be disappointed, but they're likely to extend you some grace and forgiveness because who of us hasn't dropped the ball at some point, <laughs> failed to put a meeting in our scheduler, or failed to just re- we were overcome by our circumstances and we forgot a commitment that we made. So generally, we're willing to, to extend each other some grace. Yeah, I forgive you. That's no problem. We'll, we'll reschedule. Unless you do it again, and then again, and then again, and then again and again. Eventually, you develop a reputation as a person who's not dependable, and you erode the trust that the other person has when you promise them something the 35th time, and you once again, you don't follow through. Over time, you erode trust on small-scale unfaithfulness, but with big picture, big-scale unfaithfulness, trust tends to collapse in an instant, right? So something like having an affair in a marriage, or embezzling money from your employer where you're, you're trusted to handle money, but you're siphoning off some of it into your own pocket. When that comes to light immediately, trust is destroyed. Or when you steal something, some, somebody has provided for you, a family has taken care of you, and you stole something from them because you just needed the money that it would bring. That tends to destroy, destroy credibility and trust in, a, in an instance. Maybe it's betraying a confidence or betraying a friend by turning on them in front of other people. In those cases, forgiveness is still possible, but it's a lot more costly. It's a lot more costly, and forgiveness then tends to kind of get separated from trust, because trust is an entirely different matter. It takes a long time. I can forgive you in an instant, but it takes a long time to rebuild trust when there's a large-scale event of unfaithfulness. It takes time for that to be reconstructed. You know, I think too many of us are, are happy to stick with a responsibility or commitment as long as it feels good to us, as long as it's fun, as long as I'm being treated well or appreciated. But we have the model in our Lord Jesus of someone who models something much more noble for us, seeing your assignment through no matter what, Seeing your assignment through, carrying on the mission that God called him to, even when everyone deserts you, even when you want out yourself, even when the world's against you, even when they take your life, nail you to a cross. Through all of that, the Lord Jesus gave us a tremendous example of faithfulness, so much so that in the book of Revelation, one of the names or titles that he's given in his second coming is Faithful and True Chapter 19 says he's going to come and he he will have the name faithful and true. I hope that's what the people around you call you or could call you. We don't tend to call each other those kind of names anymore, but I hope that the people around you could attach that label to you. Say, yes, that person I know as faithful and true. Or I hope at least that people can say that as you continue to let the fruit of faithfulness ripen And develop within you so that no matter what, however small your assignment, however tired you may be, however however unappreciated you may feel, that you're able to be faithful as the Holy Spirit gives you the grace to do that. Now, I realize as I talk about these things, especially reviewing ways that we can fail to be faithful, some of us might be squirming. You might be squirming and thinking, well, what if I? am not now or in the past, have not been a faithful person in these ways? What if I'm not faithful to God, haven't been faithful to God? What if I have been unfaithful to other people in big or small ways? Well, that's a problem. That's why we're talking about it. But I have good news for you, and that is that the remedy is not that complicated. The, the, the journey forward is not that difficult And it's the three steps we come back to over and over again as we look at the dark places in our lives and the ways that we've failed in a variety of ways. First of all, admit what has happened. Admit it. Come clean. The Bible uses the word confess. It says confess with your mouth. Make it clear. Own it and admit it. Stop making excuses for your unfaithfulness, for your failures in this area. That's the first thing. The second is to receive God's forgiveness. Receive God's forgiveness. One of the things that God is always ready to do is to forgive. You can welcome the loving faithfulness of God. As 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, that's the first step, he is faithful and faithful. Catch that? He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. (laughs) So we admit it, we accept his forgiveness, and we repent as a third step. In other words, we turn away from our unfaithfulness. We resolve to. Uh, go on a different path. We say no to the habits of unfaithfulness that we've developed. <clears throat> and we invite the Holy Spirit to develop, to ripen, to begin to mature that fruit of the faithfulness within us. And that leads us to the third truth. The third truth. The first truth was God is always faithful, even when we are not. The second truth is… I um, do see how I worded it for you. God works in us to reflect His faithfulness. And the third one is the Holy Spirit will ripen faithfulness in you regardless of your past. (coughs) Excuse me. God will ripen, God will develop faithfulness within you regardless of your past, regardless of your track record with faithfulness. One of the pieces of good news for you is that the Holy Spirit will produce this fruit in your life if you will welcome it. I want to end by giving you a chance to reflect on your journey of faithfulness. And I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. It may be that something has come to mind for you as I've been speaking. If that's true, then that's probably what the Holy Spirit wanted to highlight for you this morning. But you might want to start by asking the Holy Spirit if there's any situation of unfaithfulness or failure in your life in these ways that um, He wants to bring to your mind. So the first question is, am I faithful to God? Am I faithful to God? Am I fully trusting in Him? Am I living my life for God in the way that I know He's called me to? (coughs) So the first question, am I faithful to God? Another question. Am I there, am I faithful for the pe- to the people around me? Am I always there for people who depend on me? Am I a loyal person? Could I be called faithful and true by the people around me? Am I available to help people carry their burdens? Am I available when they face tough life circumstances? Am I available to the people who count on me when they are making difficult life decisions? Or do I tend to find reasons to be elsewhere in those moments? Am I aware of the needs of the people around me? Do I even know what's going on in their lives? Am I a faithful presence, a godly faithful presence for them? Am I listening to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit's prompting, drawing my attention to the needs of the people around me? Am I present... In redemptive and constructive ways or am I present in critical ways that tear other people down or am, am I happy to see other people suffer because I've had so much pain in my life I want to see that spread around a little bit. Or am I a faithful, faithful, loving, forgiving presence? So questions about presence, questions about doing what you're supposed to do or what you said you would do? Are you a dependable person? Do you do the things that you say you will do? Do you keep your commitments to meet other people or to take care of things for them? Do you hold their confidences or do you find yourself sharing private information because it's just too too interesting, too intriguing? If you're married, have, are you emotionally and physically faithful to and supportive of your husband or your wife? Or are you playing around with emotional or physical connections to other people? Are you faithful to God? Are you present for the people around you? Are you living out your commitments to the people around you? if anything has caught your heart as we've talked about this this morning, I urge you to come clean in this area of your life. Come clean before God for a trusted friend. Receive the Lord's forgiveness and repent and turn away from it that you might walk on a new path in a new way of living. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning to ripen the fruit of faithfulness within us so that each of us when we come before you, can hear you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.